On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. Stage one of my practice is understanding purpose and what's important. And then we look at clarity and then reflection. And in that reflection piece, you might lose a client. You know, you might lose someone because reflection truly means you're going to experience why I did what I did that got me here. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Okay, lady, have you ever met someone at work and you're like, "Mm, vibing, that's going to be my friend friend. That ever happened to you? Well, today's guest started out as a colleague, but now he is my brother from another mother. He's smart, smart, y'all, okay? And his bio has some big words, but don't let that deter you, okay? Stay tuned. Stay tuned until the end. Ben Atkins is the CEO of Ben Atkins Coaching Solutions. With a wealth of experience in technical process improvement, program and project management, and implementing agile methodologies to enhance workflow, and standardization in corporate organizations, Ben has worked with a diverse range of industries and well-known companies such as Uber and SAP, helping them to optimize their processes and implement agile methodologies. His process improvements have saved companies hundreds of dollars and countless hours of time. In addition to his corporate work, Ben has partnered with organizations in South Africa and Latin America, to develop training programs and promote best practices in project management and process improvement. Ben is a certified agile professional coach and practitioner, Scrum Master and product owner through IC Agile and the Scrum Alliance, Inc. Ben's most recent work has been focused on mentoring and coaching individuals in their careers and helping them to develop their skills and achieve their professional goals. He has successfully coached more than 100 individuals to date and is passionate about helping others achieve their fullest potential. Ben Atkins, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're so excited to have you. All right. Yes, we are looking forward to this conversation. So I will jump in with our quote of the day. Success is only meaningful and enjoyable if it feels like your own. From our forever first lady, Michelle Obama. So I'm going to read that quote one more time for the people in the back. Success is only meaningful and enjoyable if it feels like your own. Okay. 
So Ben, I hear you. I, well, I'm sorry. I see you engaging and like your, your facial expression was like, oh, I'm in thought on this one. So tell us what came up for you as you were listening to that quote. Again, thank you for inviting me on the show. When I heard that quote, the first thing I thought about was my own success. And what is my own success? And when we understand the important things in our lives, when we ask ourselves those big questions, what's important to me? And then when we ask ourselves, what's my purpose? That's when we can start to identify what those things are and then find success through that. Often we go down the road of, figuring it out. We go get the degree we were told to get. We get the job that we're supposed to get and we find lots of success. And 10 years down the road, we get frustrated and we're like, yeah, I'm making money. Yeah, I'm enjoying my life. But I dread Monday morning and I dread Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday because we're not living in our purpose because we didn't identify what's important to us. We took on the successes of others in the world and that became what we decided was, hey, this is what success looks like. Misery in my off time and hard work with no reward at the end. Okay, so you're just gonna start preaching like a couple minutes into the episode. Okay, I got you, I got you, I see. So Ben, let's just dive into it. Let's tell the people who you are. What is your origin story and how did you become the Ben Atkins that we see today? Uh, my origin story <laughs> is so unconventional to other people's careers. I started my career off as a medical interpreter, a Spanish medical interpreter in South Bend, Indiana. And from there, I became a high school Spanish teacher. And then from there, I got into the admin side of education. And then from there, I went into human resources. And then from human resources, I went into employment advertisement. And that's what launched me into technology. And I've been in technology since. Okay, pause, 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 pause. All right. So I know that we have people who are listening and they're like, wait, hold on. A Spanish medical interpreter and this, 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 and now you're in tech. When you started out, like when you were in, let's go way back to like middle school, high school, you're trying to figure out what you're going, what you're going to do when you grow up, right? That big question that they ask all the kids. What did you have in mind? Like, fast forward to where you are now, right? Did you see yourself, like, did high school Ben see yourself doing what you're doing now? No. I was in my seventh grade Spanish class. You know, they make you take Spanish and French in between those two years. And I was in that class, and the teacher was a Black woman. Instinctively, I thought, oh, she must be a sub. She must, you know, be filling in because when we don't have education, when we don't have an understanding of the world, we only see things from what we can see. So we only saw Latinos being what we see on TV, light skin, and they speak Spanish. And that's a whole other conversation. But that's what we, that's what I thought was Latino. And so 
I, I'm in this class and I realize she's a Spanish teacher. And I'm like, you're just like me, just like me. And I could be in that same space, just like you. And so I took this amazing journey and love for the Spanish language, the culture. And it, it got me into becoming a nationally certified medical interpreter. And I remember thinking, you the only black, black man in this spot. And like, and it, so it opened my eyes to the world, but I didn't know what it was really doing. So high school me didn't see that again. High school me talked to teachers who said, there's something about you. I didn't know what that was. Family, there's something about you. You got something. I didn't know what that was. So yeah, high school me did not have an idea that Ben would be who Ben is today. Hey lady, it's Terry here. Dom and I want to take a moment to thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast. We love you for real, and we want to give you a chance to learn more about what's important to us. So tell us what you think about this. Imagine a world where you have a chance to get featured on the Cultivating Her Space podcast and share your business, brand, or perspective with millions around the globe. Imagine joining our monthly virtual video check-ins where you can connect with like-minded Black women like you and share your ideas and episode suggestions with Terry and I. Now I want you to imagine a world where you're in the exclusive Cultivating Her Space Sanctuary Slack channel and throughout your day and week, you are conversing with us about what's happening in your life and sharing funny gifts and your personal wins. How does that sound? Hopefully this is up your alley, lady, because we are taking things to the next level this year and we're doubling down on investing in our community. That means you. Yay! We want to meet you, connect with you, and create communities of genuine women who love on Black women and push our culture and movement forward. We launched this podcast in 2019 and to date, we have not missed a week. We've been great stewards of our platform all while working full time and navigating our own ups and downs. We release fresh new content every single Friday, like clockwork, and we have hundreds of valuable episodes and workshops that can really help you uplevel your life. So if you love our mission or you've gotten value from us, we invite you to give back and help us push this community effort forward. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click Patreon. You can learn more about our goals and exclusive offerings on Patreon, and we highly highly encourage you to join the sister frontier so that you can get some one-on-one time with us. We also have an option for you to donate on a one-time basis if that meets your needs. Again, herspacepodcast.com and you can click that link that says Patreon. All right, lady. We'll hop right back into the conversation. That just goes back to that idea or that that thought and that truth, right? That representation matters. It's so important to see that. And that is so dope and so admirable that you've been able to do that, Ben. Ben, can you tell us about a time when you lived out the vision of success that others wanted for you? And this is a long one, so I'm, I can say it again for you if need be. But what did that experience require of you in order for you to finally pursue your own journey to success? Success to me was, I knew who I was early on in life, six years old. I knew who I was. And I took the path that everyone gave me. 
You know, I was given, you're going to be a preacher. I was given, you're going to lead people in some capacity. And along with that is responsibility. It was, and I'm using these words, but this is what they said. It was communal responsibility. I didn't know what that meant. And I, re- I soon understood you're 21 years old and all your peers in the church are married. You need to find a wife. And I did that. I found a wife. I got married. I was married for four years. But again, I knew who I was since a child. I remember being six, seven years old around my cousins, knowing, not not understanding, but knowing I was different, knowing I I wasn't who I was in, in, in real life with you. And so after my marriage and my divorce, I was able to fully live who Ben Atkins is. And I challenge the church folk today. I say, y'all told me it wasn't going to happen. You weren't going to grow. You weren't going to move because you wasn't living for God. And I said, cool, I'm going to come out this closet and I'm going to trust God. And God said, cool, now that you're out of the closet, I can use you. Come on, somebody. He said, I can use you. And that for me was the success of knowing that I could be who I was in fear because it wasn't easy. But God said, hey, I can use you when you are yourself, when you're full, when you're whole. But when you are just just parts of you, you're just offering me parts of you, the pieces that people told you to do. I want to see you. And that's how I found success. Come through, preach a sermon. (laughs) I am here for it. Come through and tell us about why we need to live in our full and our whole truth. Yeah. And so how did your life change once you really started living in as your full, authentic self? I started to see the world more clearly. I was still scared. Being a Black gay man in America, I was still scared of because I grew up in the church. I grew up with family base. So my fear was, I'm going to lose that. Church, I definitely lost. They walked away. But family, it, it, it was more of understanding. So it took me some time to figure those things out. And being in, I, I isolated myself. I moved away from my hometown and started to see the world more clearly. People saw me whole. They saw me as Ben Atkins, black gay man. And that was that. There was no questions. And I was able to operate. I'm going to say normally. I was able to operate in full Ben Atkins. And I started to see myself in different settings. I was dating someone who was in the financial space. And I started to think about money differently. I had friends that were from all over the world. And I was hearing different perspectives I started going salsa dancing and became a bad, I'm bad child, bad. But being in that space, you see different types of people. I have friends still that we're not there to talk about one friend, two of them, doctors, lawyers, politicians. I didn't know that when I, we hit a dance, we're here to dance. And so I saw the world differently and I challenged myself to 
allow myself to just be free. And over the years, I've been able to perfect that. What does it mean to be free daily? That is so beautiful and so inspiring. We're going to move into agile coaching in just a bit, but I just... And when you first told me that story, like when we were, you know, in private, just chatting, I was so blown away because it just made me think about the amount of courage. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month. And it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us And they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts the amount of bravery and the acceptance, I'm going to assume the acceptance with rejection and potential isolation because people just didn't agree. Like living this lifestyle, marrying a woman, even though you're like, this is not really for me, sticking it out for four years and then deciding to end that. I mean, that is just like, it's incredible to do, especially in an effort to be your true self and be who you feel that you were called to be, what would you say that experience in particular, because that's so, that's pivotal. I feel like there are so many people who are living a life right now that they're not really happy with. They're not fulfilled by, but they feel like they have to do it because of what the people might think, what the church might say, what everyone else may, how people might judge them. What did it require of you? And what would you say to someone who might be in a similar situation, whether it's a job, relationship, et cetera? 
You know, it's I love that question, and it really does allow me to pivot into agile. So one of the the foundations of agile is responding to change over the plan. And so for me, it was understanding that, yes, you had a plan of how your life should look. The family, the house, the kids, the part of the community as a spiritual leader, that was the plan. But change happened. Evolution happened. And I was I allowed myself to change. And so the practice that I practice personally in my life, but also in my work, is an agile mindset of thinking through people and interactions over tools and process and responding to change over the plan. We often get stuck in the plan and that plan for, especially for black people, we get stuck in the plan because we've got to do it this way. And I've met more people who have achieved doctorate degrees, whether in medicine or in law. And they're like, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a doctor. What else can I do? And then they end up doing really odd jobs that they don't really want to do because they don't understand how to pivot, how to be agile and how you experience the world. I appreciate that explanation. And as I'm listening to you and I think about the college students that I work with, I just think about how so many of them, like we have similar conversations around Yes, your family wants you to be an attorney. Yes, your family wants you to be an engineer, but you're failing these classes because your heart isn't in it. You, you're not, like, you don't want to do this. And so how do we figure out what it is that you want to do? And, and so I think about from college students, to folks who are early, mid, some folks even go their entire career doing something that they don't love. And it's not until retirement that they pivot into doing the thing that they love. And so when you think about the folks that you work with, what is usually like the first indicator that they're not doing that thing that they love? Yeah. In my coaching practice, I'll have people do an intake and I want to understand why do you want coaching? What does it mean to you to have a coach? Because we can be similar to therapists in the way of looking at your life holistically. So what do you want out of this experience that you're not getting in therapy, that you're not getting in your professional or personal life? Getting that clear understanding. For me, I focus mostly around career in life because you can't be the CEO if your life is in shambles. So understanding how you can use personal agility to understand who you are. And so I start to identify what's important to you. Oftentimes, people will say this, and Dr. Dama, I know you've experienced this. When we ask them questions around what's important, what's purpose, and they'll list everything about what's currently happening, the job, the the, the partner that they're with, the mother that they can't stand, the difficult relationships they have with their siblings. They'll talk about how much I love my mama. I love my sister. I love my job, but it's not important to you. Hey, girl. Hey, we hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as we are. But let's be real. It costs money to podcast and we got bills to pay. So enjoy this commercial break as you process what we've been talking about. And remember, 
When you support our sponsors, you're also supporting us. I love this time of year. When the weather gets warmer, I get to see my friends and family a lot more often. Whether we're meeting up for birthday parties or barbecues or spontaneous get-togethers, I always want to have great wine on hand to share. That's why I love First Leaf. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the guesswork out of wine selection. You just answer some quick questions about your likes and dislikes, and their experts will curate a selection of award-winning wines tailored to your taste, like refreshing rosés, fun-sparkling wines, or spring-friendly reds. You get to choose how often you receive your wine, and every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And because First Leaf cuts out the middleman and works directly with some of the world's foremost wine producers, you get quality wines at prices much lower than you pay at the store. Plus, if you have any questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, First Leaf's certified wine concierge team is there to offer expert advice. I always have a hard time picking out wines, but First Leaf's monthly wine club membership has made shopping for high quality wine affordable, fun, and easy. Some of my favorite hand-curated picks include Rosé of Greenwich, Isaac's 177 Chardonnay, Granted Wish Sauvignon Blanc, and Old Quarter, just to name a few. I love sharing great wine with my friends and family, and I know you will too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash herspace to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles, plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y. F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash herspace to save 50% on your first six hand curated bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash herspace. All right, let's get back into it. When we understand what is important to us and that's difficult. So in the practice, that is probably... I can imagine in therapy, when I started therapy, my therapy journey four years ago, the first three sessions was like, hey, cool. Hey, what's up, Dr. Phoenix? But then when we got the car question, it was like, Dr. Phoenix, I'll hit you up when I'm ready. And coaching is the same experience because when you, when, and, and I love what coaching is, I don't have to sugarcoat your feelings. You sign a disclaimer, like, you know, I'm your coach, not your therapist. And it's like sports. I'm telling you because I have a bet. I'm still preaching. I have a vantage point that you can't see. You're on the field. I'm seeing everything. So when I give you direction, you know, it it, it challenges people to say, hey, what's going on with me? And it allows reflection. And so for me, part of the stage one of my practice is understanding purpose and what's important. And then we look at clarity and then reflection. And in that reflection piece, you might lose a client. You know, you might lose someone because reflection truly means you're going to experience why I did what I did that got me here. Lord, Lord, Lord. My pastor used to say, if you can't say amen, say ouch. So lady, if you're listening <laughs> and it hit a nerve, you might have to just say ouch because goddamn, oh, that's good stuff. I mean, you, you speaking the truth, Ben. Tell us, Ben, what is agile coaching and how did you even get into that specific industry or field? Yeah, agile agile is a mindset. And so I recently did a TikTok where someone asked me the difference. 
when you think about project management and agile, these are methodologies that were built around software development. And that was its foundation. But other practitioners have been able to see how we can use agile methodologies in our lives. And so I've taken my experience working in technology and seeing that don't work. I, I see y'all try to do it, but it don't work. You know, here's what we need to do. And we're having all these different railroads to get there and we're not making it. And so I started researching on better ways to bring teams together to facilitate, better ways to get things done. And I came across Agile and I started reading and understanding that this methodology, this practice is is goal to getting things done. And for me personally, I started thinking through what is Agile to me as an individual? How do I get through Monday? How do I get through Monday through Friday, get through the month? And I would oftentimes write things down and I wouldn't hit those goals. I would not reach the goal or I'd get halfway through and get frustrated because I allowed external stimulation to to move things from me. But Agile allowed me to stay focused. It allowed me to visualize what I need to do, what I want to do, what I would like to do, and then develop what's important out of those things to me. And when I understood what was important, then I could prioritize that and say, all right, I have to do this in the next two months. That can wait till the next three months and that can wait to the next four months. And when I can see it, then I'm going to start to activate it. I'm going to identify what people, what things do I need to get these things done? And then lastly, executing on those things. I love that. And it sounds like, Ben, like if I had to visualize it, it's kind of like if someone, you know how they say, throw your ideas at the wall and see what sticks. It's kind of like throwing the ideas up on the wall, letting them stick, and then organizing them and breaking them down into either bite-sized chunks or phases so that you can actually achieve them versus being overwhelmed by all the things that are on the wall. I love that. I love it. Yes. Okay. All right. But as we're looking at this wall, right? And we've like thrown out like three or four different things that stick, and we've mapped it out and we figured out what to do for each of those, right? How will we know which one to choose first? Or do we have to choose just one? Can we do more than one at a time? Absolutely. So we have to go back to phase one, tier one, which is what is important. When you understand what's important to you, And let's say it's three different things. Working with a coach allows you to strategize. You know, we don't really strategize on our own. We think very critically on our own. But strategy, what are we bouncing off of? When you think about what strategy means, you're bouncing ideas off of other ideas. And if it's just you, then you're not really getting anything other than what you think. And so using a coach to strategize around what is important. You're now seeing, all right, cool. I think these two things are important. Now someone's asking you why. Why are they important? Let's talk about return. So when I work with corporate organizations, it's always about the return. So we quickly get to that piece of what is the return? And then we'll work our way through the middle of how to get there. And I believe that in our lives, And don't come for me, y'all, but in our relationships, what's the return? Why am I going to do this? Why am I going to sign up this contract with a person, a business, a job to do? What is the return to me? 
And so if the return on a relationship is die old with you, wake up in the morning and have coffee with you, somebody to walk in the park with when we in our 70s, if that's the return that you desire, what are those people giving you in the middle then? That information really isn't as is not, not really that important. If they cannot decide that I can give you that ending, we can figure out the rest in the middle. So we think about, you know, job opportunities and how we deal with people. Companies go, all right, cool. Partnering with you, you're agreeing that I'm going to earn a 40% interest in dividends after your acquisition, whatever. That's what I care about. How we get there, we'll figure it out. Those things are going to change. Because if we write a plan to get there and the plan messes up on us, we get disappointed, we get frustrated because we're not allowing ourselves to see change. It's okay that things change, but if we have the same concept of what the end would be, the change in the middle, we're open to that. We're agile about the change. Now, Ben, speaking of jobs, you mentioned jobs. Let me just say, lady, Ben is, Ben knows how, <laughs> let me, I'm trying to figure out how to word this properly, okay? Because this is a conversation that the, the world will hear, but <laughs> you know how to, Ben knows how to maximize the benefits of corporate, okay? We're not going to get into all the details, but let me ask you this question, Ben. <laughs> yeah. What should an employee, a new employee, focus on in the first 30 to 90 days on the job? That's multi-tiered. General employees should just focus on understanding their job and doing well at that job. You're going to be tempted with, well, I want to be in that position. You're going to be tempted with that. But be focused on getting the job done. I've been in that space where I'm managing teams. And first week, that new hire is talking about their next position. And I'm like, bro, you don't know what the hell you're doing now, bro. You can't even turn your damn computer on. Like, learn to turn the computer on first. And it's not that I don't want to support your, your interest, you know, because I think that's important. but. Corporate is not like, I'm going to get my bachelor's degree and then I'll get my ma- It's not the same way. Like, I need you to do a really good job here. But when I say it's multifaceted there, then for Black employees, you need to do your job, but you also need to build you as what I call a fuck you folder. And that's what you're going to hold in your Ooh. personal, <laughs> you go hold that in your personal Gmail drive or whatever drive you have personal. Anytime someone says something you don't like, even if you don't respond, copy, paste, screenshot, send that to that folder. You want to start building this process. Who is this person? Who is this organization? If you schedule a meeting with your manager, it's very tedious, but I'm going to tell you why you have to do it. It's tedious, but you schedule a meeting with your manager in your 30 to 90 days and they cancel. Screenshot the cancellation from them, send it to your drive. Because they likely will do it again and again. And at 90 days, often what happens in a lot of organizations today is the organization will start to evaluate your progress. And if you have not achieved what they believed that you should have achieved in 90 days, they may let you go. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. 
Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich Black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. So when I mentioned for Black people in that second tier is that you are building this idea like, all right, cool, in 90 days I've been here. I sent you emails about XYZ. I sent you invitations. You canceled them. So in that moment, that's the big CYA situation for a Black person because you won't get the same grace that they'll give someone else. That's the reality. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. You won't get the same grace. Mm -hmm. Question. Now, most of us who've been in the work world for a little bit know what CYA is. But for those who might be new to corporate, what, what is CYA? CYA is cover your ass <laughs> everywhere. If you send an email, I, I can remember sending emails that I just didn't like. I was like, blind copy. <laughs> Send it to myself. And and I did not realize that I would need those things sometimes. You know, there were circumstances where I was dealing with difficulties with my leadership. And I was able to go into my fuck you folder and pull out some things and say, but I emailed him on this. I emailed him on that. I emailed them on this. I didn't get a response. So their non-response is seen complicit to my experience or my behavior. I tried to reach out. And that's why we, we see YA, why we cover our ass. For, and I've seen it. And the reason why I make the distinction, you know, 
my white brothers and sisters, I've seen it where they don't cover their ass and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. That's just reality. It's a slap on the hand, if that. But I've seen with the smallest, minute things, people of color will have to cover their ass or you're facing termination or being put on a performance improvement plan. And that takes us to our next question, Ben. Like, What practices can Black people put into place to CYA or cover their ass on the job? And I also kind of want to add in a little part B to that question. You talked about the fuck you folder. I'm assuming, because we talked about this before, that there's like a praise folder as well when you get that feedback and someone's like, oh, great job. So what are some of the other best practices that Black people can use to cover their ass on the job? Because the, the playing field is not equal for us, right? Absolutely. So I'll start with the praise folder. Anything, I see this work so many times where I coach an individual on, my boss always tells me how great things are. I'm like, you you, you screenshot it? And once I gave her that and she started doing it and she was, it was time for promotion. We worked together and at the time and she came for promotion. They told her no. She came to me. And so immediately, because I just adored this person. I I was like, I ain't scared of them. I was like, John, let's talk. Why did this happen? And he gave me his BS explanation. And so I was like, so-and-so, send me that folder. And she sent me the folder. I, on her behalf, walked through all of those things. But you told her this. You told her things were fantastic. You told her she was the best on the team. You told her, and we see it in the stats. And she's your best employee. So why didn't she get this? Now, granted, did I did I ruin a relationship? I damaged it, but that was four years ago. Me and that person just went and had drinks last week. It's not damaging when you are able to coach and teach and mentor simultaneously, where it's not me attacking you. It's me saying, hey, one of my people deserves this promotion. And here's the facts. And so when you take these moments, it's tedious, but when you take the moments to screenshot and and, and forward those emails to yourself, you can build this case of why you deserve that promotion. If they're looking at merit alone, you have it. And you're going to build that and and take that and build it into a, a really nice document that says, on this date, I did this. On this date, I did that. And at those things, I've seen it where it works. It's still a challenge, but... I've seen where we win when we do this work. As y'all know, when the performance review comes at the end of the year, we'd be like, wait, what did I do this year? Oh, I forgot. But if you have your praise, <laughs> yes. your praise folder, you know exactly where to go. So, yes. Yes. Well, I think that it might be time to shift up the energy a little oh, bit. Oh, true, true. I'm so, ready for the next question. My bad, y'all. <laughs> I'm like, I got more questions. I'm trying to hear it from Ben. Okay. So, Ben, let's get into it. So, Ben. We're going to shift up the energy just a little bit. And because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be bougie and classy and ratchet, we want to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment. So, Ben, do you take on the challenge? I take on the challenge. Let's go. All right. Let's get it. Let's get it. So, Don, now that we got him... We're going to go ahead and I'm looking at all the goodies we have over here on screen for you. Got some surprises for you over here, Ben. We are going to start off with our three questions. We're going to ask you three questions. We're going to share three sentence completions. And then we have three photos pulled up on the big screen that we'll share with you. We want you to choose one of the photos and give us some context about the photo that we would not know. 
unless we were there or unless we were you. So our first question for you is, what's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? Eve Living, my uncle, who I had the privilege of taking care of in his last two years of life. We had some amazing times, talked a lot of shit. And he said, keep living. At almost 35, I find myself saying this to nieces and nephews when they talk about their troubles and what they're, keep living, keep living. I love that. That is, yes, I have received that that wisdom from the elders as well. And yes, yes. And as an auntie, I, I pass it down too. Like, yes, keep <laughs> living. Keep living. All right. So our next question I got four words for you. Twerk or two-step? Two-step. I'm from the 80s. (laughs) Two-step. This is true. We definitely went out dancing. I saw you two-stepping, so you right, you right. (laughs) You right. (laughs) The last question for you, Ben, is what is the sexiest item you own? Me. Me. I'm the sexiest item I own. Yes. Yep. I'm here for it. Yes. I stock's here. I stock here. Yes. You you gotta believe in you before anybody else can. So yes. All right. So now we have the sentence completion. Okay. One question or topic I wish people asked me about more often is. How did I get here? How did I get here? Because I shouldn't be here. Statistics say I should not be here in this space from as a black man. Professionally, I should still be a teacher. How did I get here? Well, we're going to switch it up a little bit. Instead of doing another sentence completion, we just want to ask a question. Ben, how did you get here? How did you get here? Ben, tell us how you get here. (laughs) I saw people and things and I wanted to be those people and I wanted those things. I remember thinking like I never had the, Oh, I want to be a singer or, or I never had that. Even though I was a musician, I was a singer. I played the piano. I, I, I never wanted that. I wanted crazy, but Oprah, to me, is not famous. She's a celebrity, but she's not famous. It's what she did. Now, granted, people had a politics about Oprah. That's your business. But Oprah opened eyes. She brought people that look like us, Black people, Black women, LGBTQ people. She literally said, I'm taking y'all all along for the ride to expose the world to who you are. Who are Black women? Who are Black men? Who are LGBTQ people? She did that. And I always admired that, watching her evolution over the years of not the fame and the billions, but there's things about my life that I know because of you, things that I found acceptable. You know, you brought Iyala Van Zandt into our lives. And I was just like, this woman's told me I could just be free and be me. This woman told me, the book back here, she said... 
you have to think richly to be rich. The rich don't always have money, but the thing that they have that you don't have is that they think richly. And so like bring, being this thought leader, that's how I'll end it. Being a thought leader is what I saw in Oprah. And I said, I want to be that. I love that. All right. So I think then our final sentence completion will is like the perfect ending to what you were just sharing. What I love most about myself is. I didn't have words for this before the pandemic. And being a single person, being I was stuck in my apartment like many other singles. For me, it was a beautiful moment to learn me because gratefully I have my job. So I didn't I didn't want for anything. I was just stuck at home. But I learned to love me. I saw things on social media that challenged how I thought about certain things. And one of them was it said, I love me naked. And I remember thinking, what does that mean? And so I remember waking up one morning in the pandemic in the early, like May 2020. And I was just like, I ain't gonna put no clothes on today. I'm gonna take a shower and uh, lotion up and this it. But it's something about that, that I was like, to see myself all day long, reflection in the TV. I was like, this is you. This is who you are. And I started to fall in love with myself. I started to fall in love with myself. I started to see who Ben was. I started seeing, you ain't perfect, bruh, but you got some amazing qualities about you. And then when I would watch my friends and family come and eat, because I I, I go down in the kitchen and, and, and they would, and I would watch them. I had a friend who is deathly allergic to shellfish, but he said, I got to try them shrimp, that shrimp and grits. And, 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 and went on and on and on about it for hours of how good it was. And it brought me so much joy. And I started to realize like, wow, you have all these amazing qualities. So I love who Ben has become, who Ben is becoming. And then our sister, Michelle Obama, gave us the words, because I didn't have the words at first. She gave us the words of becoming. It's the continuous evolution of who we are. But that ties back into the methodology of Agile. It's about continuous improvement. And for me, using it in personal agility, it's about continuous improvement in your life. I feel like you should just do a mic drop right there, but we not done yet. <laughs> we not done. We not done. We got more. That was so beautiful, Ben. And we're going to transition now because we have some photos pulled up of you on the big screen that we're going to show Ooh. you in just one second. But I know, get ready, get ready. We want you to choose a number. Where you get the photos? <laughs> Social media. Where you get the photos? <laughs> Social media. Get ready. So Ben, choose a number out of one and three. Okay. Two. Two. All right. Now get ready, y'all. You got to go to our website, herspacepodcast.com, and, and you got to subscribe to Patreon to see the video of us three here on video, but then also this photo, because the photo right here is giving Zaddy, is giving, I'm going to take 
your partner. Like it's given. <laughs> oh, it's not. Y'all can't see it. Yet. It's given. Oh, oh. it's given. Okay. So Ben, tell us. Mm. Give us some first. Okay, for the people that are not watching, describe the photo and then give us context about the photo that we wouldn't know by looking at it. Okay, this photo was last summer. It was my rooftop barbecuing, probably drinking some rosé. I definitely was listening to, because last summer I had a playlist that was a heavy rotation. It was Earth, Wind & Fire, Tyrese, old Tyrese, not crying Tyrese, old Tyrese. It, it was a vibe. It was a vibe. I was feeling myself. <laughs> shit, shit, I was I'm feeling, feeling myself. myself. I'm feeling myself. <laughs> See you. Yeah. That's why I say it's giving zaddy. It's giving animal. It's giving, come on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's a good picture right there. We appreciate you for that picture on my, that. my dating site on Edge. Go find me. It, as it should be. <laughs> Go find me. You know my name. Go find me. As it should be, because it's fly. Ben, we appreciate you participating in the OU Blatches segment, but we have a couple more questions for you about Agile and all that good stuff. So I forgot to actually say this in the beginning. Ben's middle name. So Ben's name is Ben Gets It a Bag Atkins. Ben is where the money reside, okay? Before our brother who came out with the money reside song, Ben was already <laughs> there. Let me just tell y'all. So Ben, the question for you is, what should we keep in mind when negotiating a salary? And how do you know when to stop asking for more and just accept the offer and be like, all right, I'm going just, to just go ahead and move forward with this offer here? Yeah. Some best practice? I've had multiple individuals I've worked with over the past that have come to me about salary negotiations. And the reality is there's always more money on the table, but sometimes it's not always a monetary value. And it depends on the level of value the organization places on that role. So for anyone, I'm going to use this in money because this is how corporate and organizations speak. When you start making 80K plus, people actually care about what you're doing. They care about what you're doing. When you're making under 80K, it's in, especially in technology, it's very likely that you're on the operation side, account management, sales. You are on the revenue team. These are the teams who are doing the uh, what I call grunt work. And so these individuals are acting like machines. Customers email. You, you're not answering the, the question. They, they send that email into the account manager, success manager, and you're going to the engineers. Hey, what do we need to do? And you're just being the person to render the message back to that customer. And that's seen as a low value job. It's a great job. They pay well, but it's still seen as a low value job because you're not adding value to the company. You're doing your job. So that's the thing. That's one thing to keep. Keep in mind, doing your job versus adding value to the company. People who make 80K above, I'd say up to 150, these people are still heavy doers, but these people are. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month. And it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. 
And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Valuable because you have something of value to the company. Typically, if you're making 80K in a tech company or most corporate environments, you're probably a senior lead or you are a senior status or you are a manager of some type. And in those roles, you hold value. Senior leads, you're responsible for people and the success of their work. A manager, you're you're responsible for people and them not suing the organization. And then as a senior associate, you're responsible for output at big levels. When CEOs say we need something done, you're responding to that. Those senior level people are responding to those requests from the CEO. So when you're thinking about your salary, you have to ask yourself, is this a role that gives value to the organization or is it just a role that has to get done? The roles that have to get done, those roles, you don't have a lot of leverage. You don't have a lot of leverage. You can ask for more. You can leverage if you have another job offer and say, hey, I really want to work with this company, but I'm being offered this at somewhere else. And currently, this is more important to me. And that's the question we go back to tier number one. What's important to you? Because sometimes it's not the money. Sometimes that 10, 20,000 will make a difference for some people. For some, it's just the culture of a business that they want. So that's important. But if it's money, then you're looking at something different. So you don't have a lot of leverage. But for the people who are 80 to about 150K, you have leverage. You have leverage at that point. And now, because you're bringing a value that they want and need, you are able to negotiate higher salaries at 30% and sometimes up to 50% more simply because you have leverage. And if you do what you do well and you can interpret that throughout the interview process, they won't say no to you. I interviewed for a company. (laughs) I laugh because it's crazy, but it's real. The company basically needed 
me to do, let's say, 10 items. And the 10th item, I could not do. That was not a part of my background. And so I disclosed that in my interviewing with, the, with, this, with this team. And they liked me so much. And they were like, we'll figure it out. But the reason why they did that is because, and when I say that one thing, it wasn't like a, what I can't disclose, but it wasn't like a, oh, it's okay if we don't have it. No, it was extremely necessary. If I were that director, I would have put this at a level 90%. We need this, this particular skill. And it's, it's a technical skill. And I didn't have that. And so they liked what I would bring as a coach, as a thought leader, but they really needed this other piece. And so, but because I had leverage, because I'd worked at certain big name companies and I've done certain projects that because I did the tedious work of documenting my personal work and leave it in my own personal drive, I was able to show I've done this work and I can do this. And, and also a piece of that is who I am as a person, you know? And so all of those things came together and gave me leverage to not only get $30,000 more than what they offered, but get a job that I really wasn't qualified for. And so that's leverage. When you have leverage, you can get those things and ask for more. The one thing that I would say that I would go back and do differently is I would have negotiated that particular skill because I left after 30 days because I realized I wasn't the right fit. I wasn't enjoying it because I stepped out of purpose because it was a great offer. It's an amazing offer. I was like, but because, but that wasn't important to me. What was important is that I make impact. And so after 30 days, I had to leave that company. And so to answer your first question, and so we're leading right into that. When you, you know, when we talk about severance, severance is a sticky subject because there's three tiers for severance. There's, I got fired severance. There's, we're laying people off severance. And there's, I want to leave this company separation agreement severance. And it still has the exact same levers that we're pulling. Leverage. I worked at a company for 30 days and I walked away with four months leverage because I understood employment law, but also have a background in human resources. So the expectation is not that you go and learn employment law, but a little bit of reading, a little bit of Googling. As much time you spend on TikTok and Instagram, go get on Google and figure out what in your state you can ask for. And essentially, I was able to make a case to say this role was given to me fraudulently. You really needed this skill. And then you pushed me when I got in the role after you agreed to hire me to not have the skill. Now you're telling me you really need this skill and I'm already here. And so you're putting me in a difficult situation. So I took it upon myself to exit. But because of the leverage of basically saying, if you had told me no, I'd have stayed at my last job. So I had leverage because of the, the employment law that says that that was a fraudulent situation. They should not have entered into the agreement with me simply because what they really needed. But that's where agile can be applied in corporate spaces to understand what's important to you. Is it more important that he's a thought leader or is it more important that he's technical? And if they had that interaction, that conversation, they would have absolutely said, hey, we like you. We'll maybe find another role. But this role, we need X, Y, Z. So real quick, a quick recap. So we got, this is powerful, Ben. 
we got like one more question, then we're going to let you go. But so you answered, what should we keep in mind when negotiating a salary? How do we go about negotiating a severance package? And then the last question here is within that little, those questions are, I'm confusing myself, Ben, but hold on. How do you know when to stop asking for more money? Because I feel like I've been in situations when you're like, it's, you kind of, it's, it's, it can be tense when you're in the negotiation phase, right? And they come back, they're like, oh, this is the best we can do. That's always the best they can do. How do you know when you should be like, mm, I should probably stop? I'm, I'm assuming you're going to go back to what's important to you, but anything else we should know about when to just take the offer that's on the table if it feels, feels good for us? Yeah. If you take the time to do market research, most people don't. I would say, blanketly, I'd say 90% of job seekers are not doing market, or people are in the job market, they're not doing market research. But if you take the time to do a little bit of market research, understand what other roles like yours at similar companies, not at same industry companies, similar companies. So if it's Uber, Lyft, if it's DoorDash, Uber Eats, or you know, similar companies, what are they paying for those roles? Understand that, and that's just some Googling, that's LinkedIn, that's Glassdoor, and you can quickly within 30 minutes figure that out. And so when you realize I'm asking for 100,000 and another competitor's giving it at 80, another one's giving it at 110, you have to do some simple math. What is the median around this? Now that you understand that, then you have to go back to tier one. What's, this is why tier one can last for a month or so because we keep going back to what's important. What is important to you? If money is important to you, and you said, when I leave this company, I'm going to make $20,000 more. If that's important to you, you have to stick to that. But for job seekers, when it comes to when do I need to shut up and accept an offer, you need to understand your value and what value you have on an organization. Are you bringing skill? No one cares about your degree. I'm sorry, y'all. I wish they'd have told us. We would not have gone to school for certain things. I know I wouldn't have. But what is the value? No one cares about my Spanish degree. They could care less. I don't even use Spanish for work anymore. They could care less. So what do they care about? Do they care about my certification? Well, a lot of people can go get a Scrum certification, an Agile certification. They don't care about that. They care about what I can deliver on. And as I've said before in TikToks and my own show, it takes years to develop these skills. You get these certifications, it takes years, five minimum, to actually become a practitioner where someone says, what do you want? And that's where you find success when companies ask you what you want, not in the, so what are you looking for way? No, they're, after you've gone through interviews, they're like, so what do you want for us to get you? There's a difference. So I would say, once you understand that you are in the market for the rate that you're that they're offering you, I would say, Ask one time for extra 10000 Maybe you'll land right in the middle. But only if you are sure that you've done enough research to know if the market says 100000 oh, I'm asked for 110. But if the market is constantly telling you 80 and you're asking for 100, you better have something of leverage to offer those people. Because if you don't, they going to write you out that company within six months to a year. Ooh. All right. So we've talked a lot about what this looks like in corporate America, right? 
we have a lot of listeners who aren't necessarily in, don't necessarily have jobs in corporate, right? So like, I have a job in academia. There are a lot of folks who may be in service industry. And so what, how does that translate if they are in a field that is, or an industry that's different from corporate? Absolutely. I love that you asked this question because I found that I was like, a lot of people who are hitting me up on TikTok, off their videos I've made, they're just like, do you only work in corporate space? I'm like, no, personal agility is personal to you. So I, I recently met someone at a restaurant. He was a waiter and he overheard a conversation with me talking to a colleague and he says, I don't mean to buddy him, but what did you just say? And it was about personal agility and reaching goals. And he said, how could you help me? Because I'm going through XYZ with my agent and I need to figure some things out with contracts. And the first thing I said to him as some free advice was, what's important to you? You shouldn't be going back and forth with people that you're paying. So what's important to you? Because if you understand that, then they understand that. I'm going to say that again. What's important to you, the people around you that understand that, your friends, your man, your woman, your mama, your daddy, when they understand what's important to you, then they fall in line. So for people who are in just other industries outside of corporate or just your personal life, we have to ask ourselves, what do I want to do today? I want to go to the grocery store. I want to go to, especially for people, let's say I'm going to create a scenario. I am frustrated with my career, my life, whatever. And I'm finding myself in depressive moments and I'm sleeping a lot. How can I use personal agility to support my day-to-day experience? All right. Personal agility says, what's important to you? So it's, it's, it's Tuesday tomorrow. What's important to me? Well, I know I need to go pick up my dry cleaning. I definitely want to read another chapter in this book that I'm reading. And I want to go for a walk because it's supposed to be nice in Chicago tomorrow. All right. Out of those three things, what's most important? Pick it up my drag cleaning because you're going to charge me after tomorrow if it's not there. So that's number one. Time box that. I can do that within an hour. Ooh, done. I want to go for a bike ride. Cool, that's two hours. I can get that done tomorrow. All right, cool. I want to read this chapter. All right, I know I need to do this. and I know I'm already feeling this way and I might not want to do it. So when I understand truly what is important to me, I can then start to action on those items. But I have to ask myself, what's important to me? That scenario was a very simple scenario of just going through your day. But someone who's like, I need this bike ride, you need to prioritize that bike ride. And if you don't have a a moment with with yourself to say, what is important to me today, you won't get to that bike ride. And then you'll find yourself frustrated because that bike ride did what? And working with a coach or working with your therapist or just communicating with someone, you realize that, well, that bike ride was distressing me. That bike ride was giving me fulfillment. That bike ride got me into the community, got air, and I'm feeling revived. But if you don't understand the purpose and the why, you might not get to what's really important for that day. Ben, this has been amazing. So insightful, so much wisdom. I already know as the listeners are tuning in, they're just like, where can we find, where can we find this man? Okay. So let folks know where they can find you on social, where they can sign up for a coaching session, 
all the good stuff. Let them know where to find you. And we will also be adding that into the show notes. Absolutely. Thank you. Please come and find me on TikTok, B-E-N-A-D-K-89. You'll see it. It says the Certified Agile Coach. And then my website, go to www.benjaminjatkins.com, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-J-A-D-K-I-N-S.com. Amazing. Make sure you go support. Okay. Go support Ben. Follow him on TikTok. Sign up for sessions. You already get the vibe. Ben, we thank you so much. Thank you for your wisdom, your time, your stories, everything that you've given us today. We appreciate you and hope this is not our last time chatting. No, not at all. (laughs) Thank you both. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Dr. Tom. It has been a pleasure. I, 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 I am one of those people who believe we met and it could have just been goodbye. And we were just like, no, she don't. I'm keeping you. We're going to keep it. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D dot com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at herspacepodcast.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I am worthy of what I desire, period.